0: You may be seated this morning, church. It's good for us to be together. Pastor John sends his love. He is participating in a CrossFit competition. And and we know that he's going to do very well. He's been working very hard, training very hard. And um, I believe that Nathan, his son, is his coach. And he is just going to do well, right? So he sends his love to every one of us this morning, but I just am so grateful for the best pastors in the whole wide world. They really are. They love us as a congregation, as a people. You know, many years I I read this book, uh, "Leaders Eat Last," and I see that in our pastors. They they really pay the price in their love for us, and Pastor Joy, we're so grateful, and to Pastor John, we really, as a congregation, as a staff, as a pastors of this church, we are so, so very grateful. Can we give them a big round of applause again this morning, church? It's good for us to be together, and of course, we're in the midst of this pandemic, and it's it's so wonderful that we can celebrate Jesus together. And every one of us that are here are testifying, Jesus has changed my life. Isn't that wonderful? If you have your Bibles with you today, I wonder if you would meet me in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15 and verse 25. Luke chapter 15 and verse 25. Now, his oldest son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house... He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. Angry. He was angry. And he refused to go in. He refused to go and remember that. And his father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that takes this word and ministers to every man, every woman every father, every mother, every boy every girl here at the FLC at the conference center and those that are watching online we thank you for your presence we thank you that you are with us, we acknowledge you today with us in the person of the Holy Spirit and Lord we open up our hearts and we say speak to us For we, your servants, are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, the notes for today's sermon are on the church app. You can follow along with us. Jesus broke every religious convention that was followed by the religious establishment of his time. The sinner by the religious was seen as someone that was unclean And as a result, the Pharisees and the scribes did everything to avoid the sinner. And here comes Jesus, and Jesus takes on a different approach. Jesus does not submit to religious convention. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, the poor, the crippled, the blind, those that are lame, found the very teaching of Jesus attractive. In fact, family, it was the habitual experience of tax collectors and sinners to draw near to Jesus. They came to listen to Jesus. There was something that Jesus was talking about that they needed, and they knew that, even though they might not quite understand it, that in Jesus was the answer. But to the side were these Pharisees and scribes. They would stand there and they wouldn't participate. They always were present, but they were not listening. And the Bible tells us that they were silently protesting amongst each other. They were moaning about Jesus. Religion cannot tolerate a relationship with Jesus. You've got religion. Your list of do's and don'ts and duty and no heart in relationship with Jesus. And they said, this man accepts, he welcomes, and he receives such despicable people. He even eats with them. And as a result, Jesus does something that is absolutely masterful. He puts up a huge big mirror. And he deals with the irritability of the religious by speaking about three parables. As a result of their moaning, as a result of their complaining, three parables spoken by Jesus. The first is the parable of the lost sheep. The second is the parable of the lost coin. And the third is the parable of of the lost sons. Jesus is a phenomenal great storyteller and a teacher. And he makes his point in the stories. But there was something that Jesus did when he was giving these stories because what he did family is he brought the audience into the story. So it was a story about them. He was talking to the religious but actually he was making a point with the religious. And so when we read the parables, the question becomes, who are the Pharisees in these parables? And as we read the Bible in 2020, we ask ourselves, who am I in the parable? Because this was the technique of Jesus. What did he do? He would tell a story. He would include us in that story. And we would learn from that story what God actually thinks about where we're at. He built his case, did Jesus, against the indifference of the religious. And so he gives his first parable. His first parable is called the parable of the lost sheep. And in this parable, there is a shepherd. And this shepherd has 100 sheep. And he goes out. He does his daily shepherding brings them into the fold only to discover that there is one sheep missing. Now, he's got a hundred sheep. One sheep missing means ninety-nine sheep. Ordinarily, you would have thought that perhaps it would be understandable if he would just leave that one sheep. But Jesus is making a point. He's talking about the very heart of the Father. And the Bible tells us that the shepherd, he went about and he searched for the sheep. It's just one sheep. 99 kept safely. And the shepherd never rests until he finds the sheep. In Latin, there is this phrase, nemo residio. It means leave no one behind. It's a phrase that is used as a very important foundation in the United States Army for when they go into battle. They say, I will never leave a fallen comrade to fall into the hands of the enemy. So what they would do at great expense, human life is put on the line. They go out into the battlefield and they will never leave a soldier to be found in the hands of the enemy. They will not leave anyone abandoned, and they will not leave anyone forgotten. We see this in the Vietnam War. There were 65 American POWs that were kept in the Son Tay prison, and the United States government did not leave them there. They went out, with 116-plane, air armada, fighters, gunships, and helicopters, and they went out to go and find those Americans. Nemo residio, not forgotten, not abandoned. And when the shepherd found his sheep, the Bible says he began to rejoice. That's his lost sheep. Joy rises up on the inside of him. And the Bible says that he takes that sheep and he takes that sheep home. I know our sheep looks like it's got rigor mortis, but it's fine. He takes the sheep home and he calls all his friends, calls all his neighbors, and they begin to rejoice. It wasn't their sheep. But they rejoiced nonetheless because the sheep that was lost was found. Jesus said, just so I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. But he hasn't made his point yet. Jesus is building up He then gives us the story of the lost coin. Jesus tells us of this woman who had 10 coins and she lost one coin. And she was searching for this coin. Where could this coin be? You could possibly say, well, hold on a moment. you got nine coins. Don't, Don't worry about your one coin. But no, this woman didn't give up. Do you know what she did? She brushed her house. Got to find this coin. Not going to rest. I got to find this coin. She got a lamp and lit the lamp. And she was putting the lamp in all the dark places. Got to find this coin. The woman sought diligently until she found the coin. There was a persistence. She kept on going. Wasn't going to give up had to find the coin. The shepherd had to find the sheep. And when she found the coin, she goes and all her neighbors rejoice with her. I think they tired with rejoicing with the shepherd. But they did rejoice. And this is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse 9. And when she has found it, She calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. And just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now Jesus is building up his case. Parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, and now comes the mic drop. This is the mic drop. This is the crescendo. He's building up now, and he's making his point. This is the summit of what he is actually talking about to the religious folk. He tells a story of two sons. There's the younger son, and there's the oldest son. Now, the younger son wasn't a very good son. He wanted what the father had. And so what he did is he, he said, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. The father gave him his one-third, and off he goes. We would say of the son, he's the lost son. He was lost. But then there was this other son, and it's this other son that kind of gets our attention. Because we all know that this son is lost. But what we don't really fully appreciate is this son is also lost. He's the lost insider. He's with the Father, doesn't leave the Father. He hears the Father, sits at the Father's table every day. But he doesn't have the heart of the Father. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Think about it, family. They've got all the scrolls. They're learning about God. They they are they they are well behaved, not like this guy. This guy goes out and does immoral things. They are the moral, they are the good. But you can have all of that and still not have the heart of the father. Lost outsider, lost insider. So well, how how so? in the parable of the good shepherd, the parable of the lost coin, we see things happening in that parable that doesn't happen here. Three things are missing. In this parable, there is no search. In this parable, there is no joy. And in this parable, there is no self-sacrifice. No search, no joy, no self-sacrifice. He would have received a double portion of the inheritance. When his father dies, he gets one-third, he gets two-thirds. The reason he got more is because he carried the responsibility to keep the family together. When Jesus would have told this parable, everyone in the audience would have been absolutely amazed. How could that son not have gone and searched for his younger brother? What's missing in the story is he stayed at home. How many of you know it's good and it's comfortable when we're home? We don't go and search. We don't go and reach out. It's good. It's comfortable. It's warm. It's like where we like to be. It's comfort zone is a good zone to be in. But he refused to search for his father. Out of honor for his father's heart, he should have gone out and searched for his brother. In other words, the Father is not left abandoned. The Father is not left high and dry. He says, Father, I feel your pain. Father, I feel your compassion. I see it in your eyes. Your son is gone. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stop my day. I'm going to search every mountain. I'm going to search every valley. I'm going to go to every place I can find until I find your lost son and just like the shepherd who looks for the sheep that was lost and just like the woman that lost the coin and searched for the coin I'm going to be a blessing to you I'm going to fulfill my duty I'm going to go and find your lost son but he doesn't do it he doesn't do it family The only thing I see is he gets angry. There was joy with the shepherd and joy with the woman who found the coin. But this guy gets angry because his father takes the fattened calf. Let me tell you, in, in Bible times, Shisa in Yama was very rare. The fattened calf was the meal of all meals, it was an auspicious occasion. When the fattened calf was eaten, this, this son didn't care for the fact that his father had his son come back. They were both out. He ran away from home, but he came home. He wasn't in the home, and he refused to come in. Who was more lost? Him. Him. Jesus was giving us an understanding of the very heart of God. Family, this morning, I think it's important that we all understand that God is a God of pursuit. He's a God of pursuit. Jesus had sinners around him because Jesus came to save the lost. And Jesus gives us this parable because here was no search, here was no joy, and there was no self-sacrifice. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they should become like Well, What is happening? God is sending an invite to the sinner. Jesus, do you know what the heart of Jesus is? The heart of Jesus is the heart of the Father. And what is the heart of Jesus? He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me. And that same voice goes out to every sinner. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and upon me and upon you rather and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. There was no search, no joy, no self sacrifice. During the Vietnam War, one of the sons of a family in the United States of America this is a true story was lost they couldn't find him the eldest brother in that family in the United States got on a plane and flew to war-torn Vietnam he, he searched every jungle he searched every battlefield and the Vietnamese and the Americans both got to hear about him. The records tell us that there were times he would go into a battlefield in search for his brother. He wanted to bring his brother back home. The enemies would stop shooting at one another to let him search for his brother. And both the enemy and the Americans fondly referred to him as the brother. Because that's what brothers do. Search and search and sweep and light the lamp and go up every mountain, go down to every valley and not relent until the lost is found. That's the heart of the Father. You know, our proximity with God is not found in the hallelujahs we shout. But it is found and seen in the pursuits that we engage in. What do you mean? When we know God, when we understand the heart of God, we do what God desires. And what does God desire? That no one perish, but that everyone come to repentance. That's what God wants. And family, when we reach out and when we search and when we pursue until the lost is found, that's what it means to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like this man. I don't want to be duty-bound and not find beauty. He found duty, but he didn't find beauty. How so? He didn't care about the Father. He said, Father, I've been with you all this time. And he was so worried about what he could get as opposed to who he could get. I don't want to be like this man who serves God to get things. I want to be like, the man that serves to find God. He came back to the Father. And every single one of us can pursue everyone that is in our world and extend an invite and say, Jesus loves you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this morning, you, you might say in the conference center online here at the FLC, you say, I, I, I don't know Jesus. I, I didn't know that God loves me so much that he would search for me like this. That's the heart of God for you. It's the heart of God for you, my friend. You may be way lost. You you might feel Totally abandoned, but God has not given up on you. He's not given up on you. He loves you so much, and your only hope is Jesus. You can try everything else; everything else is a dead end, but Jesus leads to life. You say, Wayne, I don't know Jesus. I might know about him, but I'm like this—I'm like this eldest son. I'm got duty but I haven't found the beauty of God and this morning we'd love to pray with you with every head bowed and every eye closed at the conference center and even those that are watching online you can join with us today you say would you please pray with me we would love to do that it's the greatest joy for us to do that quickly wherever you may be would you just lift up your hand just wave it at me and when I acknowledge it you can put it down Let me see that hand right above your head. And we know who we're praying with this morning. So that every one of us, every one of us can come to Jesus. Anybody here at the conference center, that's right. Just quickly lift up your hand. Those of you that are watching online, you can join with us in this prayer right now. Would you say with me, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ the son of the living God that God raised you from the dead dead. I receive you as my Lord I receive you as my savior Savior. and I will serve you from this day forward forward. in Jesus name family we have the great privilege of living out the heart of the father So you know what we're going to do next week? I know it's the pandemic and you had to register. And we so appreciate that. But we want to give you an opportunity to invite your boss. Invite your neighbor. You know, your neighbor that plays that music and you can't sleep at night? Imagine what happens when they get born again. Well, that's a very quiet response. So next week, we're going to do an illustrated sermon where we're going to do the first part of that parable. And we're going to call it, Beauty Kissed the Beast. Beauty did kiss the beast. It's one thing to receive the kisses of God. You will never be the same when God kisses you. Never be the same. You know, we had uh, Next Steps on Saturday and we had someone come into Next Steps who wasn't a believer. She was in another faith. And one of the congregation members at Hillcrest forwarded me what she was saying. She says, I can't stop weeping. What's this? I can't stop weeping. And then she said, oh, I know what it is. It's the very presence of God. God doesn't know about the presence of God but God and his kisses will change your life forever and so family next week we want to portray that parable the first part of the parable you know what we believe in God for a great harvest of souls do you know why because Durban must be and will be saved in jesus name come on church i said durban will be saved we're searching for the lost we're not giving up we're gonna we're on a quest we're not leaving durban abandoned we're not leaving durban forgotten We're rising up as the body of Christ. We're going to search every street, every hospital, every business park, every high school. We're on a quest, and Durban shall be saved. Come on, church. Durban shall be saved. Come on. It's up to you and I, the very body of Christ. We're on a quest this morning. Come on. Let's all stand up together. We're going to sing this song together as as a worship team. (laughs) i <laughs> church. We love you. And your heart is for the lost. Jesus with the sinner. Jesus bringing the sinner into your kingdom. We see it with so many people in the Bible. Mary Magdalene caught up with so many demons wonderfully set free. Knowing God, finding freedom. Knowing you, finding freedom. I thank you God today that we as the church of the living God, that we will rise up and we will pursue. We're not giving up until Durban is saved. As we go this morning, I thank you that the passion for souls burns on the inside of us. We're going strong, we're going united, we're going with one purpose and that is righteousness will be established in Durban. Crime No. Violence, no. Addiction, no. Jesus, yes. We declare it this morning. Hallelujah. God bless you as you go.